we're waiting on the base. Now that we got a base, well, we're ready to go. So I hope everyone had a good day. Amen. Amen, I did. And I'm still trying to figure out what group I'm in. But uh, I want to move forward and get closer. So it's a good word and a good encouragement that we had this morning. And God's word is so good, it causes us to grow. You know, grow requires change. So I'm reading a book about change. And uh, change is an interesting thing. If we want to change our world, first thing we have to do is change ourselves. And then we have to be a catalyst to those around us. So there's a lot of truth in that is, is Jesus said, go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So I'm sure we have prayer requests. Good to see Pastor Lankford with us tonight. I told him he could come up here and sing and carry on. And he decided to take the conservative approach. But he's looking good, and we praise God for his presence and his healing and, and his family around Sister Meredith. So let's stand together. I'm going to just, um, we'll just go to the Lord in prayer tonight. I've been so focused on the resurrection of Christ, the fact that we serve a living God, that he is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Because that's what sets this apart from every other religion, from every other belief, is that the person we look to is, is, has been raised from the dead and death no longer has its victory, but we're not separated from God anymore. And so we can come boldly into his throne and, and ask him to bless what we're doing and ask him to be with us. So let's go to our Father in prayer tonight. Father, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the breath of life that we have in us, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. For unless we're born of your spirit, Father, we can't enter into your kingdom. So we come boldly to the throne because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that you hear our prayer even before we ask, and you know every need. Father, I thank you for your move this morning of your spirit in this place and the hearts that you touched and the tugging, Lord, to call us to be with you because because you said, come down from the tree because I need to spend the day with you. So we just come this evening to open our hearts to receive what you have for us. We ask you to bless Brother Doug as he brings a word, Lord. Give him a peace and an assurance, Lord, and, and just minister life to him as he ministers to us. And Father, now we come to worship you and to praise you, to lift our voice, to sing to you, Lord, to tell you how much we love you. And Father, we lift up those that need a touch from you tonight. And Father, we thank you for the healing that we have in Jesus. We thank you for the deliverance that we have and for the salvation that we have. For you alone are God, the most high God. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace as we come before your throne tonight to thank you for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
truly serve a risen Savior who has overcome. And he says that we are more than overcomers. He's given us all the power that we need. As we walk in faith and stand on the word and declare the truth of God's word. So I want to encourage you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand in the evil day. In case you haven't figured it out, we're in it. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the earth, and it's going to increase. But as it does, God's grace is going to increase. We're going to see mighty things and a mighty move of His Spirit as we go forward. So I'm excited about what God's going to do. So tonight I'm going to ask the ushers if they come forward this time. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that it is you who provides everything that we need. So, Father, now as we give back to you for your purpose and your kingdom, we ask you to bless this offering, multiply it, and cause it to produce a harvest. And Father, we give out of a cheerful heart, acknowledging that you are the source of every good and perfect gift. So, Father, bless this and those who give. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
So we have a special guest tonight uh, from the backwoods of Alabama. Brother Doug's going to come and give us a word tonight. Brother Jerry's here. I tried to get him to preach. I know it would have been a special treat for everybody else. And he got me about my tithing. Let me just explain. I was trying to get a whole extra Sunday night, but it, it doesn't matter about that. It seems like that the enemy does not want things to happen and to go forward in advance. I was trying to get ready and and uh, um, my wife, I was looking this morning if Sister Jennifer was sitting there taking good copious notes for Brother Wayne. I was thinking, that's Jerry. But as I was getting my message together and all, I always get it done up in the computer. And Becca always prints it out for me. Because there's um, a challenge with how those done. So anyway, she, was, she left early and wasn't there. It started printing and all. And, and I said, between this not pr printing out and Brother Jerry trying to take it out of my Bible every time I turn around, he's trying to sneak something I said it's just one of those days but it didn't print so I started writing and I said I can't do my own writing so we know that God's gonna have to take care of that I'm not a doctor but um, but anyway then brother Jerry he doesn't say hey good to see you. he says you're trying to sneak tithe in today I said it's on my Bible my other Bible I got another Bible right by the printer that I was trying to print this out on and it's still right there it'll be alright, it'll be there when I get back so I tried to text Pastor Wooten coming here I didn't get a response I texted him again and I said question for you, I thought man that'll get him didn't get a response so I said never mind I'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission so we're going to go ahead. But anyway, I may not get asked to do it again, so I'm going to make the most of it tonight. Loosen up, sit back, and let's just get in this. What the pastor was preaching on this morning fell right along with what I want to talk about a little bit tonight is great expectations. Great expectations. 
The definition of expectation is the act or state of expecting. Anticipation in expectation of what would happen. A strong belief that something will happen. What is your expectation tonight? I know it wasn't to come hear me. Or maybe some did because that's the reason there's not as many here. But anyway, what's your expectation of this service tonight? What's your expectation tonight before you leave? I believe that God will meet you. When we think about an automobile, you think about your vehicle and you go out to get in your vehicle and you take your key to turn it on or nowadays it's a fob or this little thing. It's just got to be close to it. But bear with me, I'm old school, so I still like the key and the crank. But when you turn that key, you have expectations for that vehicle. You believe that the vehicle is going to start when you turn the key, that the battery's not going to be dead. Sometimes we go to church to get our batteries recharged. I mean, our batteries can run down and we need church. But you're believing that that battery's not going to be dead, the tire's not going to be flat, but that vehicle, you have the expectation it's going to get you to where you're planning to go, where you're setting out for. You have to have that expectation. I know that uh, we have great expectations when it comes to football. Alabama, Auburn, Auburn tonight, <laughs> Samford, UAB, and so on. When we talk about that, we think about supporting that team. You expect your team to win. If you don't, you're not going to watch it. Why would you even watch it if you didn't expect your team to win? If you weren't supporting your team, if you weren't wanting your team to win. I was thinking about the first time that I came to Vet's house, and I hadn't met none of them. And when I walked in, it was kind of like tonight when I got greeted by Brother Jerry. It wasn't, hey, how you doing? What you? It said, who you for? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I thought this was loaded questions. Who you for? I said, I'm still trying to figure out what are you talking about here. And they said, football, who are you for? I said, well, I was born in Florida. I kind of support the Miami Dolphins. No, not pro, not pro. College, who are you for? And I said, I'm set up here right now. This is the very beginning, or it could be the very end. So I'm looking around for some help, and... And I was born in Florida, and I said, well, I like the, the Hurricanes, the Seminoles. I kind of like them. And No, no, no. You're in Alabama now. Who are you for? What team in Alabama do you pull for? I said, I just came here from Alaska. I don't even know. And they said, you got to be for one. You got to be for one. Who are you for? Instead of looking for a back door, I'm trying to look around to see if there's any sign in the house, anywhere. There's some places you can walk in, you can tell when you get in the front door who they're for. It wasn't that way here. I was looking for every sign. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, 
I'm thinking, and I said, oh, I'm for Alabama. They said, you'll be all right. I thought, I just said Alabama because they said, what team are you for in the state of Alabama? And I got in there on that. But then I learned the seriousness of Alabama football. My daughter from Mississippi says, Alabama has the worst fans. She said, wait a minute, not the worst, the rudest fans. And I said, you haven't seen Auburn's fans. No, I, I did. I'm, I'm just picking on Sister Val. I'm just picking on I didn't tell her that. But they expect their team to win. You expect something. They have expectations. It's like I said once before that if it was publicized that Nick Saban was going to be downtown next week, next Sunday, and that you could see him free, have pictures made, and uh, just get to greet him, that there'd be people that'd miss church next Sunday to go see Nick Saban. He's their God. But Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide is not going to be able to stand for you when you have to stand before the, the great judgment seat. Enough meddling on that. We'll just get on. Talking about church. We're talking about church. Did you know that if you come to church with expectations, you won't leave disappointed? We have to expect something. It's like the pastor said this morning. There's some that come to see. There's some that come to see what's going on. And I'm giving Kenzie a little break tonight, and I'm picking on Mama a little more. She likes to sit on the back because she likes to watch and see people worship. She likes to observe. It was all, all this is new. And so I don't have a problem with that. Now, we've been here three, four, five years now. It's time to move up a little closer to the fire. Amen? Come on. Somebody help me. Uh, but I believe that if we have an expectation that we won't be disappointed, if we have a need or a petition that we take before God with great expectation that God will meet with us, God will provide that. In Psalm 62, 5, it says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. David professed his confidence in God. The um, King James Version says it like this, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. David not only professed his confidence, but he also had great expectations. Six, Psalm 62, 6 through 8 says, King James Version, I think I get it through. It's all right. We're going to make it. He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be moved or shaken. And God is my salvation and my glory. Victory and honor. The rock of my strength and my refuge. That refuge where no enemy can reach you is in God. Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Proverbs 24, 14. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward. 
and thy expectation shall not be cut off. We have to have expectations. We have to believe in something. We have to, if we didn't, it's like every day when we get up out of bed, we have an expectation for that day. Something is going to happen that day. It can be good for us if we believe that, or it can set us back. But we have to have expectation. The closer we draw to God, the closer we walk with Him, the greater our expectation will be of Him and for Him. Paul said in Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, or that I will continue to be bold for Christ as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified. That in my life will I bring honor to Christ in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul believed. Paul said that his expectation was there. He had to have that. He said, if my body fails me, if I lay it down, if my life is gone, I still have expectation of him. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from his, this Philistine. David had an expectation that God, when he slew the bear that God was going to be with him. I, I don't know about Jesse, but if Jesse, his dad was anything like my dad, there was a, one or two things going to happen. The reason that David went after that bear was if, if it had been in my time and my dad the way he was, I would have had to take my chances to go get that lamb from the bear and take the chance on being killed by the bear or being killed when I got back home. I'd rather go with the bear because then it would be kind of an honor, so to speak. But I've got pictures of bears when I was in Alaska, and uh, I mean, some of them are just huge. The largest brown bear, a Kodiak bear, which is the subspecies of the brown bear, weighed in at over 2,500 pounds and was almost 14 feet tall. I don't know that David fought that kind of bear, but I believe that if the Spirit of the Lord had got upon him, he could have took a 15-foot bear. We talk about how big Goliath was. He was over nine feet. This bear was larger than that. Most bears in in Alaska usually weigh between, or in the, the most of the brown bears normally weigh between 254 and 794 pounds. The Kodiak bear, on the other hand, reaches sizes of 660 pounds to 1,320 pounds. They even exceed 1,500 pounds. 
And just as the bear, I've seen bears take a full-grown deer and carry it like a, a, a steak in their mouth up the side of a mountain. I've seen bears that I had some people, and I may have shared this before, I had some guys from Tennessee that would come every year, and I would take them fishing. And we were fishing in the stream when the wind was too high, and we couldn't take a boat out for small craft. We would fish the rivers for salmon. And we were fishing, and two of the guys had done went around the bar, and one was still there with me. And he had knee braces on both knees, and he said, Doug, the bear's coming. We could see it coming up the river. It was coming right down the middle of the river. To me, it were creeks up there, but they're rivers. And it was coming, and I said, we need to get another fish or two, because when the bear gets here, he's going to get the fishing spot. He went, hands down, and he, he, would, he wasn't fishing. And I said, Jerry, we got a fish. Get another fish out of there. And he's like this right here. And, I, and some people had come before the bear. We could still see the bear, and they said, that bear just stopped up the river there and got our soft-sided tackle box. You men will know what that is, but said that he had it in the water, thrashing it, and just throwing it in the air like he was playing with it. And he said, that's the bear right there. So they left. And Jerry, the bear got probably like the parking lot there, and Jerry said, the bear's right there. I said, okay, go on over there. I said, climb up that where the log had laid down. There was a path right beside it. I said, climb that right there and go up there and wait. I can't climb that way. I said, when that bear gets here, you'll be surprised what you can do. That bear will make you do things and hurt yourself. The first rule was always take someone with you that you could outrun or wound them so the bear could get mad. But they're big, they're big, ferocious. When the bear got there, I had the fishing poles, and the bear got probably as close as Sister Wooten there, and it stood up, and I got bigger, and I waved and yelled and all this here, and he just growled a time or two, and he put back down, and he walked across the river and walked out. He said, if I hadn't have seen that with my own eyes, I'd have never believed it. You're crazy. And I said, no, the bear wasn't aggressive, but I could still outrun him. But Goliath, Goliath was large adversary of David like the bears to others are. But David, again, had a great expectation of God. He didn't look at the circumstances. He didn't look at the odds. He, didn't, he looked at Goliath, and he saw him as a schoolyard bully because he would stand on the sides of the hills and yell and make fun of their God and David had just had enough. All the others that went out before him had been slew. I believe that Goliath had trophies, and he, ha and he was just looked upon as being the dominant warrior. He was the one that, like in school, would beat up the kids on the playground. He'd take your milk money. Kids nowadays don't know what milk money is. But when I went to school, you could take a quarter get two dimes and a nickel, and you could get a Coke out of a machine for a dime, a bottle of Coke, and you could use the other money to get you a snack to eat. Now you can't get nothing for a quarter. You can't even make a phone call for a quarter. <laughs> but 
he was this type person. But David knew on the inside of him what was in him. He knew who was in charge. David w- was in control of the situation. David was on business for the king. Daniel 13, 3. Daniel 3, 13. No, 16 through 19. I can't read yet. I'm trying. (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, I like the way they put that in there, but they was giving him his respect. They told him, but even if he doesn't, your majesty. We want to make it perfectly, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden image, the statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious at Shad, at, with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. The three Hebrew children had expectations. One of two things were going to happen. The first, they were going to be thrown into the fire, and they. But the king, that wasn't enough to bind them and throw them in. And they didn't just throw them in. The king said, heat it up seven times hotter. Why seven? I've thought of that. I wondered about that. Why not just heat it hotter? Make it hotter, one time hotter than it is. It's killing people. But he said seven. They heated it up. They bound them. They threw threw him in. The king was furious. They got red hot. You know, when the fire gets rolling real good, it's rolling, it puts off a lot of heat. You don't have to be very close. It even said that the guards that were around it died because the heat was so much when they threw them in. And they didn't just throw them in, they bound them hand and foot. But they had expectations when they went in. As they told the king, you know, it doesn't matter. Our God's able to, but whether he does or not, we're still serving him. We're still for him. Their God would save them from the king. He said, but if he doesn't, we're still going to be with God. So the things that could have happened here was when the Hebrew children were thrown in the fire, the two things that were going to happen, they were either going to be rescued by Jesus or they were going to be with the Father. Those two things, they were winning either way they went. That's why they had a made-up mind. Their expectations was what was ahead of them, not where they had come, what was happening at the time. But as as you've read the story and stuff, it talked about how amazing. It's just like we have to have expectations. If you think about it, you have to have expectations of everything you do. Every day, everything that comes in place, there's an expectation of it. When we put our house on the market, we talked and we checked and we were advised what to do and we we went with that and we started having 
people come look at it, and, and as we begin to get feedback, the, people, the only ones we got feedback from, they said they liked it, too many updates, and what else? You was there. Too, ma- too many updates, and the price is too high. So we started thinking, maybe the price is too high. I said, no, give it time. We gave it to God. People were praying for us. And so Friday evening, this we got I got a text from this realtor, and he said, does someone want to look at it at 9.15 Saturday morning? First of all, I thought, that's mighty early for my wife to get up and have to clean and get everything done. Saturday likes to be laid back. But anyway, we got up, did everything, left. And so I contacted the realtor and I said, we haven't gotten any feedback. What do I think of it? Do you have anything to pass to me? Sometimes we get a little in a hurry. But he said, I ha- we may have an offer coming. So I was upstairs and I was working on the computer. The computer works, but the printer doesn't. So I was working, trying to finalize this message here and all, and so that text come through to me from him. We may have an offer coming. So Beck was downstairs, and she's already beginning to think she needs to help God a little bit. So she's looking at Lowe's for some lights to replace, to upgrade a little bit, you know, because we got the feedback. So she sent that to me, and when I got the email from the uh, realtor, I went downstairs, and she said, did you get my text? And I said, yep, but I got an email here with an offer we need to look at. She said, an offer? You're kidding. I said, nope. So we looked at it, and to show you how God does things, he doesn't do anything halfway. offer came it was the full amount that we had listed for they're paying everything I mean things that normally the seller would pay and all they're paying that they wrote us a half page letter telling us how much they loved the house and it was always told brother Larry told us it'll take the right buyer and it was the right buyer it was God but we try to get ahead of God a lot of times. Larry, you can come on. We try to get ahead of God and think that we know what we can help God, but I'm telling you, God don't need our help. If we just wait on the Lord, sometimes that's hard to do, but I promise you, if you'll stay, he'll come through. Matthew eleven seven says, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Matthew 11, 8. But what went ye out for to see? And tonight, what did you come out to see? What did you come here for? A man clothed in soft raiment? 
Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what is your expectation tonight? I couldn't help but think about the songs as we sang and how the message was in them. And I want you to know that God is here and he's waiting on you. But there was an old song. I asked Brother Barry before church if he knew it or heard of it. He said no. I said, well, it was was before your time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of these old songs, and the chorus says that I could still go free. What kind of man would reach down his hand and do this for me? Unworthy to live and not fit to kill. Yet a man on the cross put me, put me in his will and said that I could still go free. Now I never could quite understand why a king would want to leave his throne to don the robe of an earthly man and feel the pain of flesh, flesh and bone. Then to later trod that lonely path that led to Calvary. But those blood red red stains broke all the chains so that I could still go free. And it said, if you lock me up in a prison and throw away the key, Take away my vision from these eyes that now can see. Then deprive me of the food I eat and even bind my hands and feet. For as long as I know Jesus, I know I can still go free. Everyone here tonight may be saved. I don't know. If you're not We want you to be. But all of this, that you could still go free, he did all that for you, for your expectations tonight. Whether it's healing, it's strength, it's renewing, it's it's recharging your batteries. And we've said many times that the enemy is not getting weaker. He's not giving up. His days, I believe, as they sang tonight, are numbered. I believe that the end is nearer. I can tell you it's nearer than it was before. And I've shared before that 40 years ago, I heard that Jesus is coming back soon. And it could be tonight. I'm telling you, 40 years later, that same message, still preaches the same. He's still coming back. But he's only coming back for those that are ready and watching. And so many, this the enemy has used this virus and I believe that if God's people get together they can bind that. They can rebuke it, cast it. This Wednesday, on Wednesday nights, we meet at 6 o'clock for push. I'm telling you, there's things happening. The crowd's growing. There was 
18 or 19 this past Wednesday night, people sacrificing a little bit of time because they want to see a change, a difference. I had a pinched nerve in my back. And the devil wants me to believe that I'm not better. But I'm telling you, I could not get up. I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't laying down, recline, standing, sitting. I shared with some here, the only relief I got was when I was on my knees, leaned across a chair praying. I told the doctor that when I went in his office. I said, you might not believe this. You might think it's funny, but I'm telling you. Right now, there's no feeling in the front of my leg from my knee to my ankle. There's none. The pain, Sister Ronine obeyed God Wednesday night. Others have been praying, and I thank them for it. But Sister Ronine, Wednesday night, from Wednesday night, when they laid hands on me and anointed me with oil, I'm telling you, it's gone. It's gone. This leg. I'm telling you, it's gone. I can bend it. It's God. It's God. He's great, church, and he's greatly to be praised. If you will, let's stand. If you're able to and you can. you 
if you believe, there's nothing. We're singing that. Nothing is better than you, Lord. Not that, that we're thinking about going to eat in just a minute or going to a home or going to be with somebody, but there's nothing. I, I'm going to pray for a couple of people that the Lord has laid on my heart. But if you need prayer, and you may not need it, if you just want prayer, then you need to come up here and let's pray. I believe God can touch you right there, but that's not the point. It's like the pastor preached this morning about not forsaking the assembling, not forsaking the gathering, getting together. There's nothing. I mean, there's churches out there that are starving to death with doors closed for something that's here, like what we're getting right here, right now with just a, this small crowd. So we owe our praise and our thanks to God tonight. Give God some glory. Praise Him if you think that there's nothing. And it may be that they used to sing a song around here, and I know He knows this one. They go to the enemy's camp and take what He took, take back what He took from them. You know, but the enemy is trying to hoodwink people to think. Well, it's okay. Just wait. We're going to close. You're going to be okay. Tomorrow's another day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. This may be somebody's last service to be in. It may be mine. But the thing about it is, I'm like the three Hebrew children. I know where I'm going. I love the Lord, and I love you, and I love what God's doing and what he wants to do. Let's not take for granted the presence and the spirit of God that's here. Okay? You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the
All hearts and minds clear. share with Brother Wayne that there's nothing more important than obeying God. Because I heard Sister Mary say many a time that the Lord would move upon her to give an interpretation or to speak in tongues and that when she quit, she didn't do it one time, the Lord took that. And she said that if the Lord would ever do it, give it to her again, she would never set back again. I mean, God is great. And I want to obey Him. You know, we talk about, the Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice. But if I don't move when He moves upon me, what good am I? I've not done a service for the Lord. If you want to pray with us, you can come or extend your hand this way.
whatever you were expecting, you can't go away and say you didn't get it. God is always there. You know, he's given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. So when you go home tonight, when you get up in the morning, he's right there. And he says, I, know, I need to come to work with you. I need to go here with you. I need to come to your house. So we just praise him for that. So let's just have a prayer and we'll dismiss tonight. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for your presence with us and for the message of your love and your mercy. And Father, right now, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And Father, I thank you for victory of all the power of the enemy. For we have a victorious ruling Savior who sits at your hand, your right hand. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Love on somebody as you leave.